You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Good afternoon. Welcome to Conversations and Meditations. I'm your host, Virgil Varix, and today is May 25th, 2019. Okay, let's get right into the show. I have some guests here today. I got my good friend Matt, who was on the last show about consciousness, and I got my friend Danny here. How are you guys doing today? Good, good, or well. Doing well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm doing well as, as well. <laughs> oh, there you go, there glad you go. Glad to be back. Oh, glad to have you back, guys. Um, okay, so today's show, we kind of wanted to get into an interesting topic, a topic that a lot of people... I guess, have an understanding of, but at the same time seem to it's, – it's, a, it's, a, it's more of an intu- you know, intuition more so than a, something you think about and kind of you know, actually spend your time on. So that's kind of like how do we know what we actually know, you know, kind of a theory of knowledge. How do we know what we're talking about? How do we know that we're certain? How do we know what's true? You know, um, how can we – how do we understand and define knowledge? How do we understand and define truth? Um, so these things are kind of, I think, foundational on why and how we as individuals act throughout a society. So I just want to get your guys' you know, basic understanding. What do you guys define as like truth for in, in your sense? Uh, for me, I'd say there's like a few different ways you could look at truth. Okay. Um, the one that I'm most familiar with would be the sense of like a truth that comes from within. Mm, okay. So there's that way of looking at it and okay. internal truth where it's just like unwritten, unexplainable. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the idea of truth where you're, you're objectively looking at the world around you. Okay. That's more of like a 4D, the physical space, yes. like this table exists, this mm-hmm. microphone exists. Yes. I can see that. I know it's true because it's in front of me. Mm-hmm. I can touch it. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Danny, how about you? Where do you see truth? How do you see truth? Um, I mean, I think it's something I definitely battle with. I think I was trained in school in like the postmodern condition of everything that's true is true based on a cultural construction or mm-hmm. a historical construction. Of course. Um, but then like I know right now at least contemporary – like or coming out of contemporary philosophy, I know there's that notion too of like object-oriented ontology that mm-hmm. battles that. And like I like Graham Harmon's idea of like you brought up the table, the table being true. Of that there's two tables. There's the table that we see and our perception of it that is totally constructed. And then there also might be, though, the actual physical table itself in space outside of human perception. Gotcha. But that's a tough thing. It is. It's tough. Honestly, it's tough. (laughs) So with me, when it comes to truth, I kind of see truth in two ways. I think there's metaphorical truth, which we can find in books, movies, the Bible for some people, um, a ton of different things where, you you know, uh, other types of art, actually, you know, paintings, music. 
um, I think I said film, but like that's something where you can get some type of metaphorical understanding of the world we live in and kind of get an answer to what we need. Um, so I think that there's metaphorical truth and there's literal truth, which is you said this table exists. You know, two plus two equals four. No matter how much I want to believe it's six, it'll always be four. So things like that, I think that's kind of how I kind of separate it and kind of have it because I feel if you have one definition for or one way of looking at truth, it kind of becomes, you know, very black and white and you kind of don't allow for because people do find truth in books. People do find truth. Uh, and when I say truth, I guess more so when I say truth, I think it's more synonymous with meaning. Yeah, or like I'm getting the sense of like true isn't like true to the human condition sort of. Yes, it feels, yes. Or it's something I can empathize with and yes. it feels like it – yeah. Yeah, and they are two totally separate like ideas of yeah. truth. Yeah. yeah, I agree 100 percent. Like so for instance, something can be metaphorical true and literally false but still have an impact on the way we live our lives. Right. What do you think, Matt? As an example of the opposite of that would be let's say you come across a bridge, mm -hmm. OK, and you're not sure if you can cross it. So right now it's not you, before you cross it. The truth is in limbo okay. as to whether this bridge is safe to cross or not. Mm -hmm. But if you walk across it and the bridge falls apart, you go into the water. It could be said that you believed it was true. Turned out it wasn't true. Ah. Once you cross the bridge, the fact that the bridge is safe becomes true because you've crossed it. I Safely. see. I see. I see. I see. So, so it's more dependent on the experience, would you say? What happened to you? To what me, you experienced? Got you. Got you. Now, as you know, somebody who I, I wouldn't call myself like a hardcore objectivist or anything like that, but you know, at least the way I kind of see, because you know, we just talked, you know, we just got done talking a little bit about truth, but we talk about epistemology, our theory of knowledge. How do we gain knowledge? You know, and you, we talked what earlier. What is knowledge? What is knowledge from 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 a point of view? So. I would say, um, you know, for me, knowledge, I guess it's like facts, informations and skills that we have acquired through an understanding of the objective world around us. And I think that that that's probably the best uh, definition I can give. But I would also say that knowledge also is on a is on a spectrum in a sense because you have the knowledge that you base from using a scientific method through observation through reasoning and then you have that there but then you have you know quote unquote knowledge or understanding of certain things like um moral knowledge and, the, and all that stuff you know under, you know knowledge on um ethics i think that stuff and i would go i would personally think that that stuff is knowledge that can be attained through reason, you know, but other people would probably say that ethics is sometimes based on intuition. And there's people out there like Jonathan Haidt, who's, you know, there's a social psychologist out of, I think, NYU, and he has a theory called moral foundations theory. And it talks about like people initially have the intuition of whether something is morally right or wrong, and then they'll reason themselves to it later. So I kind of think that 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 does happen to a lot of people, and that people do go about you know their their moral knowledge that way. But yeah. for you, knowledge guys, what, what do you guys think? I mean, I'm curious. Where do you think? Or I should probably get closer to like where yeah. where um where do you think the authority on it comes from? Like something being true. Like who is that? Something that's socially determined by like an agreement across? I think it depends on like the knowledge type you're talking about, right? Okay. Like 
fire's hot. That's a pretty commonly accepted fact, right? Yeah. But, but that's God empirical. exists. That's like that. You, you need some higher authority saying God exists, and you mm. put your faith and belief in that. In a higher, what would it look like an example? I, Just as a God, and like the God would be the authority. Sure, you're saying yeah. okay. no, well, or the on Earth, the Church would be the authority over God. God for like Christian, Christian, context. Christian context, Catholic, Catholic. Yeah. Yes, yes. Which we all, uh, I guess, we raised oh, Catholic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, yeah. we're all three of yep. us raised Catholic. Got yep. that Catholic guilt now. Catholic, yeah, Central. <laughs> Catholic Central grads. Ah, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, because like I think like I feel like we grew up in a time where mm-hmm. growing up it was someone if, – if you're in an argument and someone said it's scientifically proven, that was sort of the end of the argument. Yeah. And then I feel like in the past few years I've come in contact with ideas about how science though is a historical – like it's historically basic. At one point in time it was scientifically true that the earth was at the center of the universe mm-hmm. and that these things and- – I think that one of the reasons science is so up in the air right now is the technology is advancing so fast Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. the science is having not trouble necessarily keeping up, but just there's so much new information in contention vying for like this is the right – this is what's happening that it can become lost in the sea of new science. I see what you guys are saying. I guess, you know, when it it comes to knowledge though and kind of like when you talk about authority and all that stuff – I guess that, you know, I kind of hold that all human knowledge is kind of is basically reached through reason. And the method of reason is logic, I would say. And that, you know, human mental faculty of understanding the world, I, I guess, abstractly and, and logically. So, you know, Aristotle called man a rational, a rational animal because, you know, we had the faculties of reason and we're able to distinguish, you know, human beings from other creatures and, you know, vice versa and all this other stuff. But, you know, we don't reason automatically. I don't think that's something we can do automatically. I think, you know, we're beings of free will. We are fallible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not perfect. Uh, so this is why I think we need science of knowledge or I guess epistemology to teach what knowledge is and how to achieve it. You, and, I mean, is, do you find – when you say logic, are you referring to like there's logistical systems that you can push knowledge through to determine like their validity? So, yeah. I would. So I think that's part of that but also using logic in the sense of – um. So Aristotle had the quote: "Exist you know, A is A, right? Yeah, Which is yeah. existence exists. Mm-hmm. You know, f- as far as I know, I'm not in some you know vat. But my brain's not in some yeah, vat right, like right. Uh, Descartes, yeah. or I'm not you know, yeah, not, not in the Matrix, somewhere. not in the, the dream, pod somewhere. The dream of Jacob's dream or something like that. Yes, yeah. yeah. As far as as far as I know, currently right now, that this is this is the one. You're you. And you're here. And I'm this here. Is and where this is you it. are in the universe. And the thing is, like, I don't have any evidence to prove any of those other things. If I don't have evidence, therefore, I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, if there if evidence does come up, I'm willing to entertain it and then change my worldview depending on it. Right. Right. And I think that's kind of what you're getting with science because. I guess, you know, they said in the last 10 years or last 15 years, we've known more about the human brain than the last 100. So things about brain science, things about our own bodies, you know, the world around us, it's changing so rapidly. But I think that's a strength of science rather than a defect of science. I think that's a double-edged sword. Okay. You you can't have one without the other. Yes. So scientific advancement is good in a sense of like it helps – you can use it to help people. You Mm -hmm. can use it to change the world for the better. Yeah. But science also now is so caught up in like you have to get your theory approved to be in this academic journal and in order for it to be in a journal, it has to fall in line with the current like consensus of the day. I, it's very I agree. hard to get competing viewpoints out there that's very smothered if you're like a minority viewpoint. I So I would agree that 
maybe 10, 15 years ago, that was probably a bigger problem because the internet wasn't as strong as it is now. Any scientist can go out there and put their theories on a website. Yeah, but that doesn't make it accepted or even seen as valid by the scientific community well, at large, which well, is what you need for your theories to gain traction. I, I understand and I agree. But the thing is like when it comes to peer reviewing and all this other stuff and acceptance in journals, a lot of that stuff can be very political exactly, and not connected to anything that has to do with the data or the evidence. It's the just, truth behind the science. Ex- exactly. Were, yeah. But is there ever executed. a way, I guess also like and it's something I've been thinking about lately, is, yeah. is there ever a way to depoliticize truth? Like it's always going to fall. I feel like the political, it's always going to be political. Well, right? I think, like, I think you know, think I'm, I'm a believer that. Universal truth wouldn't have to But be does universal well. truth exist? I guess. Well, that's, <laughs> an, that's, <laughs> that's another thing. But yeah, that yeah. would be one form of truth yeah. that wouldn't necessarily have to be political. That if would it, transcend political boundaries. Well, if you're seeing it, if you're con- – your I'm talking about like a universal truth. Like if we figure out like that the universe is like this for – if we really figure it out well, and we come to understand. We are figuring it out through our biases which are a culturally constructed worldview that we mm-hmm. have that are therefore implicitly political. Not necessarily. See, but, it could – it come – what if the source of the universe comes from outside somewhere? How would our – where would our knowledge of that come from? I'm just saying if we learn this, if we learn that okay. the universe is like some – hologram type thing okay yeah that there's a god actually controlling it yeah that would be a universal objective truth that transcends political boundaries that is what is really going on behind well, I mean, the, where does behind our, the curtain but i'd be I see what you're saying i see what you're trying to say and there's no way to prove that or know that until that information is revealed to us if it ever is or would be but the thing is if you have a cause for instance if you have a cosmic perspective about the world and about humanity um think about it this way when you when you stare at an ant colony and see you know them doing their things, whether or not anything, I love staring at ants. I could do that all. Day. Yeah, it's a very actually very interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's calming. Well, it's very calming, but it's also very interesting to watch how they work all together. It's very very strange. But when you're when you're observing it and viewing it, right? There is no there is nothing. There's no idea of culture. There's no idea of any of this stuff. It's just You don't happening. know what's going on in an ant's brain, though. You don't. But the, what you do know is ants Ants are really – so E.O. Wilson, he had a book uh, about – he's a evolution, one of the first evolutionary psychologists out there. And he was doing some studies on ants and you know, he, he had a really great quote talking about communism. He said, uh, communism, uh, wrong <laughs> – <Don't>, wrong. <laughs> all right. Great theory, wrong species. He was referring that That's ants. Funny. He's referring that ants, <laughs> ants would probably be the best suited for it because they're very, very communal well, in that way. Be, if humans ever die out, ants will still be here for sure. Oh yeah, I definitely think so. But the thing is, um, if ants weren't here, the world would die. So. Well, yeah, in a lot of ways. But the thing is, like the way we understand and you know able to grasp reality is, you know, because like, I guess for me, you know, using logic in a sense is. Comforting, maybe? No, I wouldn't go that like way. Like it's think, a solid, strong I think, fallback. Logic, I think logic is, you know, the art of non-contradictory identification. Say that one more time. Slow. Logic is the art of non-contradictory identification. Okay, sure. Because yeah. I think there's no contradictions in reality. Figuring out stuff that doesn't seem to come. But see, okay, so at the, see, you, and you can also you can kind of extrapolate this to my problem with science too with yeah. logic. If you arrive at this logic today, mm-hmm. who's to say that you don't get more input? 
that affects your logical reasoning and then it's different when we, tomorrow. When we say logical – You come we, to a different conclusion, just about anything. When we say logical, are we referring to the academic discipline like the class – the course no, you take in logic or are we referring to, to just know, practical Just coming like, to reason, know things. Yeah, reason, just read yeah, – yeah, like basically, yeah. Using the mental faculty yeah. of logic I mean, yeah. to think. I think it's like – I would say there's no contradictions in reality and like two ideas that contradict each other at the end of the day cannot both be true. Um, and any idea well, – what about like a colorblind person? Okay, they see they like you and I see red. Someone colorblind sees it, and it's like orange. That's his reality. His is orange. Well, that's see, like, but the thing is, like, reality. So, reality to me is everything that exists without the lens of human consciousness. So, so if no one's looking at it, is that flower red or orange? It it only has a color because our eyes see it. Like, no, right? but you're yeah, for sure. But the color is there. Okay, but what color is it? Well, that I mean. Well, it, the color is what the color is. The thing is, like, the, de- the loss of the cones. Who determines who is the authority what? on that? Well, you could probably test the light spectrum with some type of. No, but like, then you still have a what person. If there's, what if there's an animal with with more cones than a human eye that sees a different color? What color is it? Well, the thing is, I don't think color is an. Obje- I don't think color is an objective. That's you know, where color. That's what the like the impression. How, is. So how can we say we know what color is like? How do we know that's really green and black? On that's the how the impressionists dealt with it. It was that whole idea of like local color versus perception, where like, like sure th- that's a green soundproof thing, but we see that there's parts of it that are light green. There's parts mm-hmm. of it that are dark green. It's changing parts of across it that are time. White and, reflecting it changes off. across time yeah. and space. You can't isolate it in this like faux objective spot where yeah. it's like color can change. Like I think. It's, it's a very important. It's just. When I think it it's just an old. It'll fade and become a new it's color. A, it's just a perfect model of how truth is sli- for me, at least, of how truth is slippery. Mm-hmm. Maybe and fleeting that, would be a that, good word. Like, just never certain. Moment, like it's not fixed in one yeah. spot. It's like, always. So I don't think dynamic. logic. I don't think logic could. I mean, the thing is, like, logic probably can apply to this, and you could probably find some ways of testing this stuff out. In terms <laughs> I of, mean, we can use our eyes and see it's green for sure. But the thing is, our eyes are not an objective means of determining determining what's real. I mean, what's what's real or not real. I mean, people see things all the time. Yeah. So granted, you know that that is a kind of a slippery slope. But even to put a name to it, like green, like that is a cultural thing. Like in certain countries, their conceptions of green. Lara Borditsky did great work on yeah, this. Yeah, and they see they see colors differently. The, they break the the spectrum, right? It's not broken into concrete little things that's a culturally determined thing that we're going to call this section of the color spectrum green like i mean like it to us it's green to uh, to us in our background that we were raised in our eyes were raised in that way yeah our vision i see what you're saying we were told that was green so but yeah but in terms of like remove the name from it just refer to it as this color spectrum right they probably would agree that it has a similar color spectrum so for green specifically when you talk about like not necessarily ancient, but just older cultures that yes. have been isolated that mm-hmm. see colors differently. They would associate green with like plants, perhaps, and so that mm-hmm. would be like they'd see all the green in different plants. They'd have a much more nuanced like idea of what green is. So that's one end of it. But then there's also cultures where they just would leave out colors. They just didn't, and they had trouble distinguishing between like like if a culture and this isn't the right color, but if a culture mm-hmm. didn't have the word or name for the color blue when they see a purple and a blue or a red and a blue they have trouble telling the difference but like which one's yeah got you. got you yeah yeah totally so i mean to me um knowledge like, like you guys were saying and danny was mentioning you know uh, truth can be kind of a slippery topic primarily because there are all there are all these different things like you know our you know our ability to understand and see things and have those manipulated um, cultural and the, you know social aspects that can kind of you know skew us away from 
looking at truth objectively. But, you know, I think when it comes to like truth in terms of opinions and arguments and stuff like that, I feel that our cognitive biases more so than cultural are more effective at skewing us one way or another. When I say cultural, I think I mean I'm meaning it in a broad sense okay. to include like in the sense of not natural. Like okay. it's not innate to human. It's something that has been taught Added to on. that we have learned, yes, through experience. It is a cult like we've experienced it. I see, I see. I use culture sometimes maybe in too broad of a way. But no, I feel that's you. how I think. Oh, no, like for it's sure. Not natural. Yeah. For sure, definitely. I think that there is like so I think there is some stuff that might not necessarily be innate, but they're there. So like for instance, um, the big five personality traits in psychology, mm-hmm. um, something that has been very interesting and I mentioned Jonathan Haidt before and he's done like a lot of research. Over 100,000 people have taken the test and it's basically measuring their moral psychology and you know how, how they look – how people view morals and stuff like that. And something he found very interesting is that you know people who had um, – so I think in terms of personality psychology – it's basically 50 to 53% is hereditary. So your personality, the, the, fi- the big five traits, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and, and neuroticism. Do, so do we know that this is hereditary or is yeah. this just because – about But 50%. is this just because we're raised by the people who are our parents who displayed that? No. So like for instance, they've, I'd they've, see like they've also, or not, I'd they've also, they've also, te- they've also tested it in apes. Okay, so apes. So they they, they basically removed one of the uh, big five personality traits, and saw that this was certain apes had children and they performed. Uh, but again, interactions is it and because things. it's because they're raised by their parents? So how much? How do you know it's well, no, like no, no, even, an even, internal even, gene no, thing? Even in studies where they removed when there's adoption. Adoption. Okay, that's yeah. what I was saying. So like two was, two yeah. identical twins. Right, right, right. right. They were separated the at birth. Okay. They both are politically the same. They okay. both kind of dress yep. the same. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So stuff like that kind of – I think – but that stuff is dependent well, on 50 percent. Hasn't there also been – my, my girlfriend's really into the big five. That's what she was studying in psychology. Yes, isn't yes. there a lot of – she was doing studies on how – isn't a, there a lot of also um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Not Like critique of the big five as being very essentialist and having the idea that there's one universal human who isn't – that some that these traits have been drawn to a certain degree. Once again, I'm using the word across cultural for sure, lines. For sure. So there is work on that, right? That I think, exists? of course, there's okay. definitely work that pushes back against um, some of the, you know, some of the discussions on the Big Five and other. What's psych- the other uh, one would that have to the Big Five, like and there's like there's the a bunch MD, of other. Psych- I'm an ENFJ. I forget what. The yeah, that's uh, Myers Briggs. Yeah, Myers Briggs. Myers Briggs. Yes, yes. Yeah, Myers Briggs is cool, but I think like you know the Big Five kind of overtook Myers Briggs in terms of scientific vi- you know viability, but. It, to me, it seems like it's another example of science suggesting, though, that like this is the true key. We have the true key to knowledge and reality, and we're going to cut the world up, like with colors, cut the spectrum up yeah. into names. We're going to cut people up Categorize into these very it, ty- typological classification, yeah. which and that's like a product of like 19th century science, and that's like led to racial eugenics and phrenology definitely. and all of these yeah, really difficult things. Yes, hundred percent. And the thing is, like, and the, the most important thing when you know talking about. Whether or not something like for instance, something that's innate within human beings is our ability to understand language. Like you could take a baby from America, <laughs> take a baby from America, move it over to China at birth to give it to a Chinese family, the baby will pick up Chinese. Right. No that's, matter what. That's the Chomsky universal yes. grammar, yeah. Chomsky yes. Pinker. Yeah, but there's yeah. a backside against that. There's a side that fights back. The Sapir yes. Wharf method, yeah. the linguistic relativist that mm-hmm. also suggests that and Blair Boroditsky's part of them too, I mentioned earlier, but this idea mm-hmm. that where Chomsky and Pinker suggest that there is something universal about languages 
and it suggests sort of in a way uni- like a universal truth idea. Yeah. Linguistic relativism suggests that even your conception of that truth is born out of the language you learned and the culture you were raised in. I see. And so it's always this like it's always like yeah, and well so that gets into like how in Japan there's not a word for i Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like e- the culture is more of a group culture. Yeah, collectivist it's culture. Collectivist, yes. like the honor of the one reflects the honor of the group. Yes. And, and the so, shame of the one reflects right, exactly. the shame of the And so right. there's no there's no language to even describe I, whereas in America it's like the complete opposite. It's mm-hmm. very I centered. For sure. And I, I agree that, you know, cultural long term cultural influences on people and how they view the world and how they view reality definitely has an effect on our perception but you know i think i think people can be objective i think there is i think it's possible but i think you know the only way to do it is if people have to be able to you know define their terms that they use right so Which they wouldn't that make it subjective then though cuz you're then defining your own terms well no so no be able to define terms in terms of like so for instance we okay. talked about uh knowledge truth, truth. epistemology these things have definitions that are accepted you know, by us three in this not room. Not only accepted right by now, us three, but, but accepted others, by you know thou- millions and millions of people. Right. And there might be you know you know definition one, two, three like that, but they're all relatively around the same thing. And definitions heavily are dependent on context too. I would imagine. Yeah. So I think like you know in order for you know people to be objective, they have to know they have to be able to define the terms so they know what they're talking about. They know what they mean, and then you know base their conclusions on observable facts. So you know they you know so that their beliefs are anchored in reality more so than you know being outside it and I like I mentioned logic employing the principles of logic so that we can reliably you know reach a sound conclusions I mean I have stuff. I have some discrepancies with that Please do um one like this the idea that we come to an agreement about language mm-hmm. there's like there's great work by Derrida and Roland Barthes on yeah. that whole like Barthes concept of the death of the author that like you might read – we might all read the word apple but we have three different conceptions in our head. Like we're seeing mm-hmm. three different apples and that's like a small model but when you bring it to some bigger ideas like the word epistemology, what yes. that means, the word truth, what that means. We could all be using these There's words and thinking of completely variance. different things. Yes. Um, the second one was you said you, you have to be based in reality and – your reality can go as far as you want it to go. Someone else's reality well, no, could be I, different from yours. It's not my yours. reality. I'm, I'm just saying someone to. else's could be different from yours. Well, so when you say it has to be based in reality, that's not like a good base well, remember, because it can be different reality, person to person. Reality to me is everything that exists minus human beings' consciousness looking into it. So that right. means so like, like – Objective reality. Time, space. Yeah, objective reality. What's the, this table's here. So it's whether humans exist or not. The table's here. Yes. According to yes. If there was no, I I there want was to no, believe that. I want so bad. No, seriously. Like that is my biggest issue. Right now. I want so badly to believe that, mm-hmm. and I just don't know. It's hard. Yeah. It's. I mean, and I, that gets that goes to God when you the, does, ra- yes. the ramifications. If you want to walk it down the line, all the way. Yeah. To, just having faith in life. Mm-hmm. And so, well, and exactly. so like using Jesus as, as an example, walking, Good example, like walking on water, <laughs> right? <clears throat> that water's there to everyone but him so that to everyone but him, you should sink. You can't walk on water. Well, yeah, but if, if, his, if his concept of reality is that he is such a powerful being, he can do that, mm-hmm. then he can do that. Because that belief is so deeply held within him and because it comes from something outside of himself, 
okay, that would give him the power to actually do that in in this 4D reality. I see what you're saying, but I have a little, a little, little disagreements there on a few different things. First thing is you have to – Playing for, devil's advocate No, here. for sure. You have to assume – well, obviously you have to assume the story is true. That's number one. That's – yes. That's the biggest – that's the big you know, hurdle. After yeah. you assume that, you have to also assume that there wasn't any trickery going on. You know, and number three, you have to also make the assumption that after that, that um, the people who saw it are being truthful about it, and they're not just hyping up a story. And so then after of, that, the people that wrote it down, down didn't embellish anything. embellish anything. So it's dependent on. That's why you know I find those stories to be translations. Translations are also another issue, another problem. You know, ancient you know ancient Hebrew. I mean, the um, Dead Sea Scrolls. You know, a lot of the meanings of the words have a lot of the numbers associated with them. So I know God and like uh, numbers have a lot of different uh, connections. Interchangeable meanings. Yeah, exactly. It can mean multiple different things. Yeah. So who knows what they were really saying? Yeah. The thing is like that's, that's where you have to get, you know, the ancient Hebrew scholars to come in there. You know, and the thing is like there's ones that disagree on it. So like for instance, you go into religion. Um, one, of, one of the guys out there who was very – he was a skeptic. He was actually an atheist I believe and he went to study the Dead Sea Scrolls and he wrote a book called uh, – the. The Ancient Mushroom and the Cross. His name is John Marco Allegro. And he talked about how he believed ancient, you know, ancient Christianity was originally a mushroom cult. <laughs> like the God in the Burning Bush type He's, thing. Yeah. What's yeah. the name of that? Uh, the Ancient Mushroom and the Cross. His name oh. is John Marco Allegro. Such a great album. I've heard peyote, <laughs> yes, yes. I've heard peyote <laughs> yes. over mushrooms, but the same concept. Same concept, exactly. <laughs> if you, I'm on a podcast. I have to ask, have you tried DMT? <laughs> <laughs> Great, aunt, good question. I, no, no, unfortunately, me neither. Not. I don't know. It sounds like a lot of fun, yeah. but honestly, um, but the thing is, like stuff like DMT and you know mushrooms and all these other you know substances do affect people's rea- uh, I guess perception of reality. And you know, we talked about consciousness. Is it perception of reality, or is it their reality? Well, the thing is, like as far the thing is, you can actually like put an fMRI scanner on somebody's brain, t- have them take you know a hit of acid or whatever. And then you could see different parts. Watch par- those neurons fire. You watch those neurons firing and other pathways kind of close down, other pathways open. So I think that's kind of just solely in the head. I don't think, you know, some people believe like, well, when you do certain substances, you can kind of reach an alternate reality well, or and, something like that. Okay. So through meditation, you can fire those pathways. You okay. Can have a similar experience, yes. And have very similar experiences mm-hmm. with no drugs. Yeah. The thing is, like, I think you can get yourself in a trance like state. To get yourself in a position like that, I believe that's possible. And, and see, if rare you, but possible. If you've never experienced some of the higher transcendental states mm-hmm. of meditation, yeah. then I could see where your skepticism would come in and say, like, "Oh, I don't believe it because I haven't done it." And I, I, I try, and yeah, I feel you. And the thing is, like, I try not to be. I don't try not to agree with skeptics primarily because I feel that skeptics are, in a sense. No, you can never be certain about anything. Literally anything. Like two plus two, you never, you can't, you can't even be certain about that. And that to me, you can, and that goes back to the bridge. You can believe that it's safe to cross. You can believe that you're certain about it, but until you get that proof executed of crossing the bridge yeah. of seeing whatever you say you believe in mm-hmm. in this reality, then it's just that it's still it's still at that limbo in the belief well, the, the, and not a truth. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is like. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Granted, if the bridge was done up to code and everything, well, but you don't know humans, until you 
if it was done up to code, but it's maybe been, it's been inspected. Maybe, maybe the I human, love human that. error in the inspection. Maybe the inspector was having an off day, rushed through it. I it's, love that because it sounds like when you hear it, it sounds like such an old like parable, like crossing the bridge. And I love yes. that we have such a modern take. But was it inspected? Like, <laughs> was it up to code? Like, what are you talking about here? <laughs> Which bridge are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Are these bridges that are construction workers? And is he? Did, did he have? Is he actually a professional engineer? Certified. Yeah, but like in all honesty. A lot of those things are really ar- arbitrary and have a lot of you know problems and holes through it. So I guess like in terms of certainty, and this kind of gets into certainty, you can be certain that the bridge is there. You can be certain that the bridge exists. I'm, I'm viewing it. It's right there. There's nothing. It's not. And I'm once not, you cross it, you can be certain that it's safe to cross. I think that is – so there's – I think there's different degrees of certainty, right? Certainty in one sense – the definition, I guess, for me would be like, it was safe to cross. You that's, crossed it, but that's more that's that's certainty on a different level. The original, uh, I, I think the original state of certainty is it is it exists. It's there. That's the first thing you're certain about. I think. Well, I think the interesting. It could be a hologram. You're not certain until you put a foot on it. I think the interesting truth that the story points out, twenty <laughs> first century bridge, it could be a hologram. <laughs> I don't think. It's possible. I think <laughs> the interesting truth that the story points <laughs> out. Hologram musicians. You could do a hologram bridge. That's true. Yeah, but the hologram musicians. <coughs> Twin <it> Towers. <coughs> a show. What a traveling show. <coughs> hologram plates. <coughs> oh, oh yeah, that's what that's what a lot of that's kidding, a lot of people. Kidding, lot, kidding. Of course, of course, that's a lot of people say that. But in terms of holograms, like. That that's a good argument because holograms can be you know oh it's a hologram bridge over there, but at the same time like the technology isn't there yet. I mean maybe in the future things could be. Uh, the military has that technology. I'm sure some maybe, and I wouldn't go all the way. That, the U.S. military for sure. I I look. I think the DoD has stuff that we don't know about. The Department of Defense has definitely has a lot of stuff. You know you saw those uh, those running animal like. Uh, Boston, Di- Boston yeah, dynamic yeah, yeah. robots. Those are creepy. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna put some machine guns machine guns soon later, Hell you know, yeah. and Hell set yeah. them out there. But in terms of you know being certain, we, there's things we can't be certain about because we don't have the knowledge base there. So, like what the DoD has, that's an example, right? Do they have alien spacecraft? Well, the knowledge <laughs> is there. Well, no, the knowledge. That ex- if if you accept there. that they do have it, then that means that it does exist. No, no, and no. so if. If, it could be. It could be. It could be. So, like, for instance, they could get into astral projection. You can find out if, uh, you're, if you're good enough at it. I I don't think that's. I don't think it's possible. Unfortunately, yeah. It's I don't been, think it's so. been done. People say it's been done. It's been done. People say it's. Been I done. believe it's been done. Well, it's 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 nice that you believe that it's been done. But the thing is, is there an objective? I believe way? other people who say that it's been done. Okay. Well, are just the, because well, you haven't done it doesn't mean it can't be done. I agree with that. It also, doesn't mean you don't have to believe it. Well, I agree that as well. But the thing is, like, has it? Have people tested it? Can people reproduce this? And has there ever been any also, type of observation? I see, and I guess where I am able to, ex- I'll, I have that trust in people where it's okay. like I, I'll believe them. I if don't. I, I'll trust my intuition as to whether they're telling the truth about that or not. I see. Okay. I see, I see, I that's see. Where, that's how far I'm able to extend my, you know, like suspension of disbelief about that kind of stuff. If I trust in my gut and my intuition, if that feels right to me, I'll believe it. And then, but I will, I'll constantly be challenging all of these beliefs okay. to where if I find something that contradicts it, I have no problem saying like, all right, yeah, I was wrong. Uh, this is what I, I'm, I'm, I'm believing in now. Yeah, and I see what you're saying, but I guess... So take take skeptics for example. You know, a lot of skeptics would go ahead and say that you know because we're fallible, 
you know, we must doubt all our beliefs or trust them. I would go, I would say they're more on so in terms of doubting, at least in skeptics. Mystics, I would say, is the opposite of that, right? Yeah, yeah. Mysticism, mysticism is probably the opposite of sure. that. You know, but I would say in terms of the claim that you know, since we're fallible, therefore we must doubt all our beliefs. I think this claim is kind of self contradictory because you know the skeptic is claiming certainty at least for the belief in our fallibility at that point. So there is certainty there. There's certain, he's certain that we're he's certain in, that we're fallible. That so, we're fallible. We, so we can't. I'm certain that we're we're fallible. Therefore, we can't be fa- certain. But if we're fallible, yeah, we can't be sure that we're certain about being fallible. If but we're you're fallible. but you're certain about being <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're certain that fallibility is a is a state of being, though. So I yeah. think it's self contradictory in that way. So I would say like religious mystics often claim that you know God or a supernatural force is so different from everything that we know that it's beyond reason ability to understand. But since whatever exists has, you know, identity, you know, I guess a definite or to understand delimited property. I would say it's hard. you can't understand it fully, but you can come to your own individual understanding of what all that side of it is and means to you on an individual level. Well, I think individual. So, for instance, individuals are, again, fallible and can have, you know, defects within their brains and their eyes that could prevent them from really knowing and understanding the truth. But. You know, uh, if it's true to them, then does it really matter if it's true to the outside? It gets that's where it gets wild because yeah. I do agree with you that like there's an issue with trying to normalize perception and this mm-hmm. idea that like oh you don't view the world the normal true way that we all do, but then the bigger ramifications mm-hmm. of suggesting that our own personal truths are the only truths are when it comes down to issues of ethics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where like dangerous. it could be well, it's true to me that I can kill you for this reason. But yes. like I mean, these, once we start affecting one another, and that's it's why I guess true it's, across the sea that like female circumcision is a good thing. Yeah, yes. it's just like it's exactly. And that's kind of see, and that and that's kind of where uh, it gets relative. Well, that's well, that's why I'm I'm generally a very against relativism in a lot of ways because at least for me, relativism kind of opens and puts a. <laughs> Uh, it, it allows for us to – I guess it allows for us not to take moral issues that are in different parts of the world that we would find abhorrent and then say, oh, because X culture, it does something this way. Therefore, we shouldn't be – we shouldn't criticize it and They've all this stuff. They've been doing it. That's the part of them. And then, but therefore, we, but when it comes to our culture, though, we're we're totally – Completely see, different. And I kind of agree with and it that. Co- it comes to human rights, though. To me, it comes all. It only comes well, down to human rights. Maybe not to the extent of female circumcision, because that seems pretty bad anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you. you, you I, ch- I was going to make a bad pun there, but yeah. And, uh, <laughs> let's not go <laughs> let's there. Not. Um, but like, as far as something about uh, as less severe as like wearing a hijab. Yeah. I, there's. I've heard reasoning from um, Muslim women yes. who like. It's a respect thing. Mm-hmm. They want to do it. Mm-hmm. They're okay with yeah. it. It's just yeah. And I think that's and I think that's fine. I think that's fine because you know through their understanding of their religion and their understanding of you know their social context, that is something they want to do, and that's a choice. And the, well, but the part that where that gets fishy is is not always a choice. Like they are on. forced to wear it by societal standards and Exactly, culture. or cultural standards, or governmental standards. So take a place right. like and Iran. So some people are okay with being forced to wear it, but like the cultural pressure to wear it, some people don't well, mind. Yeah. Well, yeah. So like, well, others do. Well, exactly. Like So in like Iran, right, there's a big movement out there called White Wednesdays. And, you know, it's um, a movement that's been going on for a few years. But ladies, young ladies, older ladies are going out in public and taking off their hijabs in protest of the government forcing women to do that. Now, um, take Iran – 
1979 when it was you know take you know the Islamic Revolution you know happened. There was a big march. There's a great beautiful picture of it, uh, a bunch of women marching in the street and against of the compulsory hijab. Now right now a lot of women are trying to fight that and are being jailed for that and persecuted for that. Um, put in a, you know a woman's right lawyer was just put into jail for like 15 years in Iran for you know speaking out against you know, against this and against other things. But the thing is like if Iran took a different position and said okay it's optional. Yeah, of course it's fine. But the thing is like – There would be outrage to that too. There would be probably mostly within, male within, reactions yeah, saying well, no. Within, within, a religious, is... within, within a religious community because you know, at least to me when it comes to cultures, when it comes, you know, when it comes to truth and what's morally you know, permissible when it comes to cultures, it's whatever reduces human suffering and promotes human rights. Anything that reduces human suffering – and promotes the rights of human beings and the autonomy of human beings individually. And doesn't infringe on your right to exist as you want as to As you exist. want to. Yes, exactly. But you cannot exist in such a state where you're stepping on everybody else's rights just to have your own you know, state of being. Right. I think that's wrong. But the thing is like when everybody has their own truth, anybody can live any way they want to and justify whatever they want to. I mean if you look at um, – so the, Soviet, the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany, they had their own truths. Exactly. They had their own understandings of you know, foundational reality, belief, foundational beliefs. Yeah, exactly. Right. They're based on either propaganda, li- straight up lies. You know, it was based on racism. real theories. But... Well, there are real theories. I mean, there's Heidegger, of course, <laughs> out there. You know, people people forget about him. Heidegger <laughs> was the Nazi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. No one, everybody just forgets about that. But yeah, Heidegger, of course, and you look at other. Uh, Members in, uh, in in communist uh, parties and communist uh, re- you know regimes that were there, and you know you get to read some of their books now, and you know a lot of the stuff that they did believe, you know they just completely changed and completely had a one eighty. But the thing about that is, when people have a one eighty in any way, it's kind of like their whole worldview, which is based on their epistemology, kind of just like erases and kind of becomes a new thing. So, like in my case. I used to be a pretty hardcore uh, anarchist Marxist for a while um, and then a few years – I mean actually like four, you know, four years later, five years later, I'm on the completely different spectrum. I consider myself a, you know, a small L libertarian, um, objectivist in a sense. But like the thing is like a lot of the things that I did believe in terms of like reality and stuff, a lot of that stuff did shift. So in a sense – and this kind of gets into where you're coming from. In a sense, my, my, my political and moral viewpoint did change the way I perceived stuff. And so back when the four years ago yeah. when you believed what you believed, you yeah. thought that you knew that that was the way you wanted things to work. That's how you thought you knew the world should work this way. You believe that those But I will admit theories, I right? didn't do that much research. <laughs> so, no, sure, but I mean even so like everyone has six, their political six, years now. everyone has their political progression of what they come to believe in and but it changes also, over time always. But, I agree, but it's well, also, not necessarily always, but No, it does. I mean, uh, so for like right now for me, what I try to do is any new information that any new knowledge that comes to my point of view, I will if it's con- if it's contrary to my worldview or whether it agrees with my worldview, I'll try to take it in, look at it. Incorporate it. Well, look at it first and yeah, see whether sure, it's, sure, you sure. know, if it's BS or not. Yeah. And if it actually is something that is true, whether it's from a source that I disagree with or a source that I agree with, I'll then have to integrate it within my current worldview. But you know what? Sometimes you integrate something, it changes your worldview completely. Like, yeah. so the big thing for me was private property and, oh. you know, and property rights in the sense of like, you own your body, you own your labor, 
you own how you your actions. Therefore, no one can force you to do this and this and that. Once I got, you know, once I had that, you know, perception change, the whole, you know, the, the, the you know, the dominoes just fell. But the thing is, that's the problem with my truth and your truth. It's I think truth in that using truth in that way is dangerous because, like I said, it leads to stuff that that can be pretty nasty and pretty bad. Right. So when it comes to you guys and your understanding of, let's say, truth in a in a moral sense, where do you guys get that from? Where when it comes, to, so we talked about you know metaphysics in a sense a lot right now. How do we know what's metaphysically true? In, in terms of a moral sense, and we'll probably end on this, is when it comes to morality and your your basic understanding of morality, how do you take the truth that you have and you've attained, whether it's through mysticism or whether it's through a deep analysis of um, – Logic, using logic. Using logic and using reason or a deep analysis of using you know um, different types of theories you know that are – that take a look at culture, take a look at sociology, take a look at religion and, and so kind of put it together. For me, I would say that it's important that you kind of combine both of those. Okay. You can't rely too heavily on one or the other okay. or your views about truth and knowledge will start to get distorted yes. based on one camp or the other. So it's yes. important to try to balance those two uh-huh. camps as best you can. Uh-huh. And then as far as continuing to evolve with it, it's very important to keep an open mind about what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Keep an open mind about what you're seeing and constantly challenge your beliefs. You come in contact with new information and you see if it holds up. If it does, you stick with it. If it doesn't, you throw it away. If there's a part of it that you think you might like, mm-hmm. you can keep that part and just incorporate that into your whole worldview. Mm-hmm. But it's important to constantly be challenging and changing and never get too stuck in the same like train of thought mm. for me. How about you? Um, if we're talking about like moral truths, like where do we get like, those from? So yeah, where do you where, where do you get your moral truth, your moral intuition, your ethics? Like, because ethics are based on truths, right? Right. It's tough, I think, because I, on one hand, like it seems so obvious that it's like a core, just like your quote unquote conscience. Like, yes. you, you you feel it, and that in some ways feels like the most true truth on earth. Like I feel, uh-huh. but I also wonder, like, to what degree is that? Because I was raised to believe that, mm. like. If I do X, that's bad. If I do Y, that's bad. And so my conscience has been developed by that. I don't know. Gotcha. And I'm not sure because some of them are so universal. Like you don't kill people. That yes, exists that's, across all of them. It's a universal thing. Yes. Uh, yeah. Self-defense. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Well, there's, there's caveats. What if he deserved it? Well, that's, that's, that's the thing when it comes it's to – ritual killing. Well, that's, that's what happens in, in the Aztecs. You know? But the thing is like you talk about the Aztecs with ritual killings. You know, the people used to play that game where they would hit that ball through a hoop or whatever. Talk. Yeah, that's the name. The thing is, like, the winning team would get would get ritually murdered. I mean, that's and the they way. wanted it. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, like, the way the way so the way that the way that kind of works. I don't think that was always. So I think different cultures view morality obviously differently. But I would say that if if it's not the thing is the 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 idea of a ritualistic thing being there. Makes it okay. Well, and okay. so taking a step outside murder. Okay. Murder is different just, than ritualism. No, but just using good and evil or good versus bad. Okay. I'd say it's probably pretty acceptable across cultures, universally speaking, that good is better than bad. You want to do good. You shouldn't be evil. Evil is the outlier that you need to fight against and stop. Yes. 
That's pretty universal. I would say that, yeah, there's always been, no matter what narrative that people have but had throughout been, culture. The that's just, been universal history. The question is just, are good and bad the same across those? No, but it, so on an individual, relative, contextual level. Because I mean like Nietzsche, Nietzsche, yeah. Nietzsche, Nietzsche, Nietzsche. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> Friedrich, <laughs> Nietzsche. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he has that great – the only thing by him actually that I really like is the on the genealogy of morality. Yeah, yeah. And it looks into that whole thing of like these words such as good and bad. When you trace their etymology, a lot of it's related to like racial things. Mm-hmm. Um, I Dark and light. Dark and light. Just yeah. even those concepts. Yeah. Like if yeah. you look into the old Germanic history of it mm-hmm. and I don't think it exists as much in the Latin but there – and the idea of um, like something being bad as being poor or being – you know, like yeah, all yeah. of these things. Exactly. Even dark exactly. and light you could trace back to saying like at nighttime the scary stuff comes out. So be scared of the you, dark. That could, that could be a Paleolithic. Uh, right. You go all the way back to when we were you know, cavemen, cavemen. Mm-hmm. I could go back there. I mean – um. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. So, would you say that? See, because for me, at least, um, we I think you know the way to when it comes to morality, I would say it's really important to use your reasoning capabilities to understand what's wrong and right and why it's wrong and right. Because the thing is, like, people can go from oh, well, I was taught this, you know, through religion. That this is bad and this is wrong, and never think about why it's they wrong. They have a or less developed. Bad. They have less developed mental faculties of thinking through this yeah. type of reasoning, and yeah. they rely on just what they were told. Yeah, and that and that's a problem, I think, with with society because the thing is, like, um, take take for instance, um, juries when you know jury trials. There's something called jury nullification, where if a group of a group of member a group of people in the jury find that a law is un, you know not. I mean, they pretty don't much, have to abide. By they don't the have law. to. They don't think it should be. It should be a law. They can basically say we don't think it should be a law, and therefore let the guy go. No one really like. For instance, someone gets caught with some weed or whatever. Oh, and if all all if they think it's a stupid all law, yeah. Majority. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, that's no, interesting. They don't want you to know that exists. Is it all twelve majority? I th- I think just... I, I if I remember correctly, I think is it that is. a state by state thing or is that no? I think this is a constitutional. Wow. Uh, yeah, thing. I think okay. it's like I think it's set up there. And the thing is, like uh, in Michigan, uh, I think in Sterling Heights or whatever, some guy was passing these out outside of a courthouse, <laughs> just to random people, and he got arrested for it. So like the state obviously doesn't want people to understand yeah. and know about that. But the, the the point I'm trying to make there is just because something is a law, just because something is said to be morally right by an organization like a church, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is. And I think like I said, it comes down to respecting other people's rights, you know, not stepping on their rights to do what they want to do, but also allowing them to to you know, to be able to go and try to achieve happiness. Just have so, their own agency. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to a lot of the time. And, you know, as long as you're not performing and hurting other people, there really is Do isn't. whatever you want to do. As long as, yeah, as long as you're not hurting other people or stepping on other people's feet. Or interfering with their right to do the same. Yeah. I think you guys brought up, though, like the... I don't know what the figure of speech would be here is like the, like the issue with that whole thing with like ritual killing though. Like yeah. If that's agreed upon by a culture, it seems like you guys were under the agreement, right, that then outside cultures shouldn't step in and infringe on that, right? Was that correct that you guys – So yeah, I, I would I would always go – I would always say that no matter what our culture or – when I say Western, I mean um, the Enlightenment. What Enlightenment cultures have kind of you know produced over time – um, I would go ahead and say that, yeah, nobody should be enforcing anything upon anybody. 
primarily and especially with the use of force from a state because that's automatically like a big no for me as someone who considers themselves a libertarian using the state to do anything other than you know protecting rights and helping people within the country that's that's as far as it goes anything more than that becomes you know pretty crazy in my opinion yeah so never but i think we should use you know reasoning um trying to discuss and you know create intercultural dialogues to help convince people that hey maybe killing your countrymen over a religious practice isn't a good thing to yeah. do because you know it's kind of you're kind of stepping on people's rights and even if they believe that that's the right thing to do just because they believe it doesn't necessarily mean it's right then though it comes down to trying to project and map your morality onto another culture, right? And I don't know I don't know where I fall on that because obviously if I hear like that there's genocide at the hands of the state in some other yes. country, I would like to believe that we should go in there and stop that. I I I have a very very big um what do you call it? Uh sympathies for that type of point of view right there. But Definitely. I but then I also don't know because like there is that idea that morality is enculturated so, in life. And the I mean the world is so big right now that if you see some atrocities happening Earth's bigger than ever. But, yeah. <laughs> Just interconnected globally and politically, but it's so big right now that, like, if you if you see something happening somewhere and uh-huh. you, a nation says we're going to go in here and help them fix it, mm-hmm. there will always be ulterior motives. Like, it's, yeah, it's too intertwined for there not to be now. Of like course, it, and that kind of goes to like what you know, you know, that has another effect to like what is being sold as truth. What's being sold? So take the Iraq War for instance. Iran is next too. Well, yeah, yeah, they're on the they're on the chopping block, unfortunately. <laughs> but you look at you look at a country like Iraq, where you know information was put out and the information was agreed upon by almost every news organization. Doesn't matter what you know they political meaning. They spread a lot of false things, in primarily because they were you know they were given false things. And the thing but is, they were they're complicit in fact checking it. They didn't make sure it was true. Well, and of they course ran they didn't. It. And the thing is, like because you know and this is a you know these you know, the media. Is an institution of authority that people look to. They're supposed to trust the media. Exactly, and, and the fact is that you know the media has. I mean, people in the media, people who work at these organizations, have you know obviously have an agenda, right? And I think the agenda is the bottom line. Well, yeah, I think money, I think and even well, more so the ad revenue that pays for those shows have that, an agenda. Yeah, the, the whole Chomsky manufacturing consent. Of course, and now Trump's flipped it, and what was once sort of a liberal move of suggesting that the the news media constructs truth, yes, has now become Trump's whole sort of ramping up fake news. Yeah, you can't trust the liberal media. Yeah, it's all sort of up in the air now. Yeah, and exactly, and that's the problem. I mean, if uh, anything, people are realizing that both sides pull the same trick. Well, yeah, and the thing. Mm-hmm. Is like there was a good Scientific American article saying that it doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal; they both both groups will um, will fall for fake news that appeases yeah, that that appe- your viewpoint. Your, your, your yeah. viewpoint. You'll always so if somebody is confirmation bias. Yeah, exactly. The confirmation bias exists and it'll always be there. And the thing is, like, I think for understanding truth and understanding, you know, how knowledge can be a thing, being able to say, okay, well, this is what I believe in. But this is my biases towards it. Yeah, I guess the question comes, is it ever even possible to step outside of that bias? Because you're still, even then, that is your bias. You know what I mean? You were raised within your bias. Like that is. Mm -hmm. You can't escape it. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I guess in conclusion, I guess something important that I kind of want to at least say myself before I, you know, kick it off to you guys for the last word is for me, I think, you know, when it comes to understanding, you know, knowledge and a theory of knowledge and, you know, truth and all this stuff, 
at least from my point of view, I think that using your reasoning, using your reasoning faculties, using your mind to be able to understand, okay, well, this is how, especially towards argument, you know, arguments and positions. Well, what would you know? And I think also having the idea that whatever reduces human suffering and human, you know, you know, human cost of life, you know, mixing that in with you know the other reasoning skills that hey, maybe we should you know do this and do that because of these reasons. That I think you know using your mind is probably the most important thing you can do versus you know getting it from some type of source from the outside or at least you know compared to you looking internally and trying to find an answer because like using reason requires you to go outside and find an answer doesn't necessarily mean I'm looking inwards and trying to find an answer on something. But that's at least where I would come from at it. Matt? I, I mean, in closing, I'd say that the most important takeaway is just to constantly be challenging your mm-hmm. reasoning, constantly be updating it and yes. feeding it new information, and then try to do good, you know, like look out for humanity, like you said. Yes. You know, use it. Don't infringe on other people's right to do the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Danny? Yeah, I'm just still <laughs> I'm still hoping that there is truth. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good answer. <laughs> that there is some sort of certainty. I want so badly to believe yeah. X Files. <laughs> Yo, yeah. I wanna believe. I wanna believe. Yep. All right, so before we end it, do you guys have anything to promote? Danny? Um I got some shows coming up. Um Fantastic. playing June twenty first at Corktown Tavern. If you like like the Beatles or like Elliot Smith's popular stuff. Should come by, and then another one July sixth at the Club Above in Ann Arbor. Okay, fantastic! And you can find my music on Spotify. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. We need to get you back in for that magazine you were doing the online magazine. Yeah, that would be so, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, okay, great. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming in today and talking today about a really, really nerdy, awesome subject <laughs> like epistemology. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I love please, it. you guys are always welcome back. And uh, yeah, so please uh, check out the website. Doing some updates, doing some different things there, and yeah. So um, I hope you guys have a good one. Take care. And I'm out. Bye-bye. Whew.